0: Factor podcast. What is up, College across fans? You are watching episode 135 of the Lax Factor podcast. Today we have a boatload of games to talk about. We are going to talk about Duke Mercer, uh, Robert Morris, High Point, Air Force, Denver, Saint John's, Hofstra. Providence Bryant, UNC and Jacksonville, North Greenville and Lenoir-Rhyne, Mars Hill and Limestone. A boatload of games, including some D2 action. So before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. We got swag at laxfactor.com. You can get hats, shorts, t-shirts, coffee mugs, stuff like that. And then if you're an audio listener, share the crap out of this. Uh, but really just subscribe. We're getting close to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Factor. So go there and subscribe. Help us get over 10,000 subscribers. Okay. Back into this now. First game I want to talk about because I'm going to touch on the Duke game and the UNC game briefly because they were kind of routes and there's not a whole lot to go into. Duke. We wanted to see Mike Sowers have a really good outing, and Mike Sowers had a really good outing. They didn't, Duke did not play their starters this entire game. There was a period within, I think, by the end of the first quarter uh, where Duke had already pulled a couple of attackmen and were rotating guys in, but Mike Sowers has himself a good day. Uh, Four goals and two assists in the Duke win. Duke beat him 17 to eight. And then it was good to see Joe Robertson return. Joe Robertson did not play the 2020 season. He was injured. It was a wash anyway. He comes back for 2021, misses the first two games for Duke, and it was good to see him play. He gets the start over Brennan O'Neill. So it looked like Duke started Williams, Robertson, and Sowers on attack. O'Neill came running out of the box. He goes one and one in his first game, kind of playing midfielder. Uh, so that was weird. Uh, but Robertson four and one, Sowers four and two, Dyson Williams, three goals. So Duke spread it out. Like they had uh, it's like 10 guys score here. In Cage for Duke, Mike Adler, one save in three attempts, Turner Upgren, one save. So Duke barely even gave up shots against Mercer here on the day because the keepers only faced uh literally like inside 12, 13 shots on cage all day. So Duke rolled Mercer in that case, and it was good to see Sowers play well. The other game that I want to talk about here, we have North Carolina playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville comes into Carolina and, uh, I was hoping to see a slightly better game, but in the end, it was a legitimately valiant effort out of Jacksonville. They came in and they hung well into the first quarter and kept things reasonable before North Carolina started rolling. And then even by the end of the game, 18-7 against a, a team like North Carolina is respectable. Now, I know Galloway wearing his serial killer gloves uh, in this game is not pleased with that outcome necessarily. But I, I was surprised, and Jacksonville looked good, and there are a ton of positives that Jacksonville can take out of this, because they held their own, and they didn't look foolish. Denver looked foolish playing against North Carolina, albeit theirs was scenario, you know a scenario that was you know a, a, a situation that was where the odds were kind of stacked against them after playing Duke on Friday and then turning around and playing UNC on Sunday. but Jacksonville, they held their own, they played well. Uh, Chris Gray again. I've been in the Michael Sowers is going to win the Twarton camp for a while, and I'm still in that camp to a degree. But just like I said, the reason Pat Spencer won the Twarton in 2019 over Amet and Sowers and everybody else who trashed on the country that year with him was, and Chris Gray included in that, in those numbers, Asher Nolting included in those numbers, um, the reason he won it was because he played like an animal, and he he dominated the teams that he played against. He made the teams he played against look foolish, both physically and with uh, in, incredible stick skills and finesse. And that is what Chris Gray is doing right now. Right now, Chris Gray is playing a lot like Pat Spencer played in his twenty nineteen Towarton run. So I still, I mean, uh, I'm still Team Sowers in terms of I think by the end of the year there's a lot of lacrosse left to be played, and I think Duke is still a more complete team overall between offensive and defensively. But North Carolina, North Carolina played some really good team defense, both against Denver and against um, Jacksonville. My worry with North Carolina is once you get into these games where they're playing the Mike Sowers of the world and they're playing against teams like Syracuse and Virginia, where you have elite Dodgers that you are facing all over the field at the same time, because the ACC teams are more loaded than teams like Denver are in terms of depth and athleticism. Uh, My worry with Carolina is they're going to have to prove defensively that they can hang in those individual matchups and not just be forced to slide. Right now, they're sliding by design, and they're sliding early. You start playing against Syracuse, Virginia, Duke, they're going to force those slides, and how you react to those is what's important. But man, North Carolina looks good. Chris Gray, four goals and three assists. He had a ridiculous backhand at one point in that game where he came up the right side, they're playing him a little top-heavy because that's what you're supposed to do against Chris Gray. He had a couple of really sweet coming up the side, taking a step back and just sticking a a hook and things like that. So Chris Gray played great, incredible game. And the freshman goalkeeper, uh, Colin Krieg for North Carolina, he's looked really solid. He had some saves early that helped North Carolina get that lead, and then they never relinquished it. Uh, but as we look through the North Carolina box score, Chris Gray four and three, Will Perry three and zero, Nikki Solomon two and one, Tanner Cook two and one, Jacob Kelly two and zero, Brian Cameron two and zero, Justin Anderson one and one. I mean, it just goes on and on. So North Carolina's depth is going to be a really big deal for them. I'd, I'd put their midfield right up there with Syracuse, except their midfield's more experienced. All three of their first line midfielders are all fifth year seniors, so that's going to be dangerous for teams all year long. But North Carolina is going to kill people with just straight up talent and depth and uh, uh, depth in their roster as well. Jacksonville, Evan Tyler, 2-1, and one, Jack Dolan, 2-1. and one. Number 42 there for uh, Jack Dolan for Jacksonville is a nice player. And uh, Jacksonville has goalie problems like a lot of teams we've seen. Adam Baker may not be the answer for Jacksonville. I don't like cutting kids up, but uh, nine goals against uh, versus two saves, and he didn't play that well against Bellerman either last week. So they'll have to figure something out there, but that was a decent game. Now we get into the other games, and these games, I was just as excited about watching these games as I was the North Carolina and the Duke game. Robert Morris versus High Point. I actually picked Robert Morris once again because I suck at making picks, so if I pick somebody, pick against me almost always. Uh, High point was up. And here, one of the keys to the game here for high point, I said, was someone had to do crap other than Asher Nolting. The High point needs other guys to be able to carry the ball, generate offense that aren't named Asher Nolting. Really good sign early in this game for high point. High point was up three to one before Nolting uh, uh, tallied his first goal. Uh, That made it four to one. Uh, they were up 7-3 to three before he tallied his second point of the season, which was an assist to Kevin Rogers, which improved High Point's lead to 8-3. to three. So here, High Point's already up 8-3. Asher Nolting's only got one goal and one assist. So I'm not mentioning that to cut up Asher Nolting. I'm mentioning that because that means Asher Nolting's going to possibly get the help that he needs this year, and that means High Point is right up there with uh, Richmond in terms of favorites for the SoCon. Uh, High Point came out hot played fast, played loose. Uh, their defense stayed home and played really good man-to-man defense against Robert Morris, not giving them too many uh, too many looks overall. Uh, the high point keeper, Antonio Arcona, he made some really nice saves in the first quarter. He ends up finishing the day with uh, 10 saves versus 10 goals against, but the saves that he made in the first half are what gave high point that lead and allowed them to keep rolling. As we look at high point stats, Asher Nolting 3-4, Kevin Rogers 4-2, and two, Dalton Silver 4-0, and o, and he had a really nice dive goal that will get rolled here. I don't know if you've already seen it or not or what the deal is as we've uh, rolled the highlights, but he had a really nice dive goal. And then Maya and Buckshot had three goals each, so that's key. We had... Uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 goals out of dudes that weren't Asher Nolting, just in the, the 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 guys that I labeled. Uh, Robert Morris won 14 to 21 face-offs thanks to Colin Hoban. Uh, And overall, Robert Morris won 25 of 38 draws, and that wasn't enough. That's how good high point looked both defensively and offensively. Ryan Smith, one of my favorite Robert Morris players, now the big cat. He goes for four and two, Jimmy Perkins for four goals. That was good to see him bounce back after only having an assist against Duke last week. Next up, Air Force at Denver, and it really ended up being Denver at Air Force, but it was still Denver's home game. They had really cold conditions, apparently, up in Denver, could not play the game up there, so they end up playing it indoors at Air Force, still figured out a way to get it taped and uh, cast out to all the parents and fans and everything, something that Virginia should really consider here, considering their blue blood uh, status, and we're not going to be able to watch that game today, or at least as of right now, me recording, we're not going to be able to watch that game today, the Army at Virginia game. Uh, Denver, they controlled this game from the outset with Air Force's only first half goals coming off Denver's 10-man ride. And uh, uh, Braden Host, the Air Force goalie, ended up getting two assists in the first half. Uh, the score at the half, I don't know what it was. It was like 8-2, to two, and their goalie had assisted both of the goals uh, because he fed an attackman on just a, a Hail Mary against the 10-man ride that Denver put up. Uh, Denver needed to prove to both themselves and to Coach Tierney that they were going to be able to play for four quarters, and they played for four quarters in this game. They won every quarter. I think it was the second quarter they really won that, and the fourth quarter ended up splitting 3-3, but they were winning 3-1 in the fourth quarter before giving up two late goals inside three minutes left, so they really controlled the game and played well all the way through. Uh, offensively, one of the places Denver hadn't had success was attacking from the, the wings and from out top. They, were, they did well attacking from X, and they were scoring goals here and there, but this is the first game where their offense really started to kind of gel, and they were able to attack and dodge from all over. Uh, Jack Hanna played well. Sullivan played well. They got a lot of, of offensive... Uh, generating from the midfielders in terms of dodging into things and making things happen, drawing slides, getting Air Force uncomfortable on defense. So overall on offense, they could still improve, but they looked much better. And that's what we would expect from a, a Bill Tierney coach team. Ethan Walker, he factored heavily, five goals and two helpers on the day. He played great. Morrow flipped those numbers. He goes two and four on the day, and that's what we would expect out of those two is for them to put up four or five points a game each, and that's what Denver really needs. And then Jungle Jack Hanna went two and two and shot the ball much more effectively in terms of he didn't have to take nine, 10, 11 shots to score those two goals. Uh, But, and then the two helpers help another huge game for Denver, uh, out of Alex, uh, Stathakis, he goes 17 to 21 from the faceoff dot Denver Denver overall goes 18 to 24 and air force tried four different guys on Stathakis and all of them failed and uh, fared very poorly. And then failed clears denver's ride looked really tough maybe maybe they're a little angry maybe it's air force's first game denver's fourth that's probably playing into it, but Air Force was sloppy, twelve of twenty one on the clears, so that definitely hurt them uh, was between denver's ride and their own unforced turnovers in the clearing game uh, for Denver, Squires and Dibonetto each had two takeaways, and they barely all day long denver's help defense was 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 playing really good. They gave Air Force very few quality looks overall and then uh, Air Force only put 17 shots on net all day. So that's a testament to Denver's D. And then both goalies, Denver's Jack Thompson, 10 saves against five goals. Air Force's Braden Host, 17 saves against 15 goals and two helpers. So that's crazy. That's a crazy stat line for a goalie is that you make uh, 17 saves versus just 15 goals against and you have two assists on the day. And then Denver only had a penalty. They successfully killed that. Air Force had two. So it was a very clean clean game overall well officiated as well another great game and this was probably the, my favorite game of the day i was i was at least getting the most hype during this game was uh St. John's and Hofstra the game goes back and forth over and over and over it was 17-16 St. John's Hofstra scores to tie it up Ryan Tierney uh, scores to tie it up then St. John's comes right back scores again almost immediately and then Ryan Tierney scores again to tie it up as we get down to the to the to the brass Tax of it all. With 31 seconds left, St. John's took the lead. 16 seconds later, Ryan Tierney scores to knot things back up at 18 with 15.6 seconds left in the game. And then it goes into overtime. St. John's ends up winning it in overtime off a of Mike Madsen goal, his second of the day. But and here's the important part here. Ryan Tierney on the day. Not only does he put Hofstra on his back and keeps them in the game and forces overtime. And every time St. John's tried to take the lead late, Tierney was there to score and answer the bell. But Ryan Tierney goes for eight goals and three assists on the day. In 2020, he averaged three and two. And in 2019, he averaged three and one. So this, this dude's no stranger to putting up mad points. But eight goals and three helpers against the quality St. John's team in this loss and uh, that's going to be a big deal for him. He's going to end up being on the Twarton watch list, obviously, and hopefully he can hang and be a finalist because he's been putting up a lot of points, and he's been doing this for a while offensively. Uh, Alex Kinkannon, 3-1. Hofstra, in this loss, they won 28-40 face-offs. Uh, Brian Herber and Chase Patterson combined to win 28-40 face-offs for Hofstra, and then it was a bad day to be a goalie no matter which, which color you were wearing. All of the goalies played like hot trash in this game, so we're not even going to talk about them. But a big win for the Johnnies in overtime, 19-18 to 18 over Hofstra. And another one-goal game, we have Bryant uh, uh, beating Providence at home by a goal, not in overtime. This one did not go into overtime, at least. But these two teams hate each other. In-state rivals, uh, they play each other often. Bryant gets the 9-8 win. Logan McGovern looked great for Bryant one and four. Kevin Groeninger. Man, I, I'm gonna butcher these names. And this is actually sadly my second take because I had laptop problems and I butchered these names before. I'm gonna take it slow and you're gonna forgive me. Kevin Groeninger, two and one. Nathan Liliberti or Liberty, the faceoff guy for Bryant. He wins 12 faceoffs. The goalie, Luke Caracciolo, or Saraciolo. He has 16 saves for Bryant. Man, that's tough to say. Uh, it really like kind of makes your brain twitch as you're trying to say these uh, these names. Bryant defense played great. Um, Providence gets a, a goal and three assists out of Ryan Naraki. Dan Axelson scores three goals for Providence as well. Um, McGovern had a really good game. He assisted on a pair of fourth quarter goals, and then their keeper and the defense stymied um, uh, Providence because it was not it, when I turned it on. I, I had it on, but when I turned the volume on it was seven to seven. Uh, Bryant scored, goes up eight, seven. Bryant scores again to go up nine, seven. And then Providence got a late goal to get with the nine, eight, but you know, Bryant held them off and then pulls out the huge victory. Now here we have another game that I wanted to talk about, and I haven't talked about it yet let's do it. It's the Towson game. I watched that as well. One of these things, I was, I was very curious all along how Towson was going to fare in their first game. They go 0-6 last year, so they hadn't won a game in quite a while. It's been years. You could literally say years since they've won a game. And they end up pulling out a one-goal game over St. Joseph's in overtime. Brody McLean, he goes 3-1. and uh, Andrew Milani, he uh, scores the game winner, and he goes 2-0. and uh, one and one, uh, Shane Brennan in cage, 11 saves versus seven goals against 4,000. So big, big day for Towson. And then let's see here. Uh, Zach, uh, Jack Zulo, he played really well in cage for St. Joe's as well. He has 12 saves off eight goals and then uh, they spread it out. Austin Strazula for St. Joe's. He leads them with two goals, and then they had a bunch of guys that kind of filled in with one. That was a good game, though. That kind of shows, hey, Towson already on the up and up because they've won more games this year than they did in the shortened 2020 season, so that's a really good sign for them. Happy to see the the Tigers get in the win column already. Now, for all you D2 psychos, and fans, we've got some D2 action to talk about. We have North Greenville playing at Lenoir Rhine, and Lenoir Rhine pulls it out 9-8 in the end. Uh, uh, let's see here. David Bell recorded his first career hat-trick to lead the Bears to victory. Um, let's see. David Bell, four goals. So he had a hat-trick, but he ends up scoring four goals in the game. Lenoir Ryan kind of jumped out in the beginning, 5-0 advantage, and they had four different players score goals in that run. But you know, North Greenville, they kind of chip back in, end up making the game close. Uh, Zach Badeau won 10 of 15 face-offs and scooped up a team-high seven ground balls for Lenoir Ryan in the victory. They played tough defensively. Uh, Lenoir Ryan was sloppy committed 29 turnovers in the game and cleared at just a 22 of 31 clip, which is not good, especially considering this is their second game, even though their first game was against a D1 team. And I wanted to check this one out because I saw they played Mercer last week and lost. And I was like, ah, how are they going to fare against uh, division two opponents? And they get a win in their first game. Uh, and that's it, but it was a good game overall. Congrats to the Lenoir Ryan crew. The other game that was on that, uh, actually had a box score that I could look at at the time was a uh, limestone put a hurt. Uh, put the big hurt on Mars Hill. 21-5. Limestone wins this game. Frank Smith goes for three goals and four dishes. And Chris Parrott won nine of 10 faceoffs for Limestone. Dakota Kirsch Downs wins eight of 13 for Limestone. So Limestone dominates the possessions, dominates the game. 21-5. That is a very good win for them also. Now we're going to go in and just kind of rip through the last couple. I know uh, Stony Brook I had talked about. And Stony Brook, I said, they're kind of my favorite to win the America East. They play Sacred Heart. I thought it might be a little bit closer than this, but that would, you know, that would still prove that Stony Brook was good. Stony Brook rolls 20 to 8 in this one. And I think this is the only game we didn't talk about. Um, uh, Dylan Palinetti, he scored six goals and a helper for uh, Stony Brook. Corey VanJehoven, 3 and 3. Matt DeMeo, 3 and 1. Tom Hahn, 2 and 1. Chris Pickle, Jr., 2 and 0. Oh. And uh, they get solid play out of their keepers, Palma and Herbert. Uh, looks like Palma got to start. He uh, puts up seven saves in the game. Sacred Heart, they struggled. Not bad play out of their goalies either, though. So that ended up being a good game, and Stony Brook has proven they're the real deal. And they're going to get to play a weird schedule this year. So Stony Brook's going to end up playing Cuse at the Dome. So that's going to be a big deal for them. Did we miss any of the games? I think we got them all. Every game that was played at the D1 level, we covered. Sweet. Now, the games we haven't talked about are the games that are going to be played today, Army at Virginia. Hopefully they figure out some way to put that out to us so we can see some of that action. And then we also have, what was the other one here? I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, Oh, Loyola at Richmond. I think it was Loyola at Richmond. That's going to be a big game. Not going to go into them. I've already previewed the living crap out of those games, so we don't need to try to rehash all that old stuff here. So that is going to end up being today's show. I will be back Wednesday. With the preview show, and I may put out a special show uh, tomorrow or Tuesday covering the Virginia, the, the, the games from today: Virginia and Army, and uh, Loyola and Richmond. We'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll, I'll put out an audio-only podcast for that. So if you want to check our audio uh, 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 platform, it's uh, anchor.fm forward slash Lax Factor, or anywhere where you get podcasts. So look for that. If you don't see a video specifically covering the Virginia. Army and the Loyola Richmond game, check anchor.fm forward slash Factor or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. And I may put out an audio only recap for that just because it'll be easier. So that's it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. As always uh, go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself swag, uh, coffee mugs, hats, whatever. We're actually, I have two of these shirts. I have a white version of this shirt and I have a green one, both of them extra larges. So I'm going to put those up on the website and we'll see who the first two people to buy them are. They are not there yet, but I'll get them up Uh, by Wednesday show. And we'll talk about that. I'll actually show them and get you guys to talk about them. But as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I'll be back Wednesday morning with the weekend preview show and Hoost is out.